0: His name is Jim Jim, Miyashiro. Come on up here, Jim. We're going to pray for Jim. The reason we're going to pray for him is, well, we want to pray for everyone who's speaking, but uh, especially this morning, Jim has a health problem. So his throat, he's not able to really, like, project so much. So it's going to be... A, who knows, a little challenging. We're not sure exactly, but uh, let's pray that God would do a good work in him and communicating the gospel to us this morning, the word. Lord God, we ask that you would please continue to fill Jim with your Holy Spirit, that he would be able to clearly communicate your word. But Lord, we just thank you in advance for uh, the way that uh, you're going to speak to us no matter. And Lord, we ask that you would please prepare our hearts to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thanks, Max. Why do people, especially kids, love Crocs? (laughs) They come in fun colors, they're so easy to slip on, and most importantly, they are amazingly comfortable. For fear of stating the obvious, our society is so focused, maybe even fixated, on comfort. For example, Snuggies. (laughs) Because a blanket with sleeves is so much more comfortable than just a blanket. (laughs) Or Amazon's one-click ordering. Because multiple clicks are so painful. (laughs) And sadly, this fixation with comfort has permeated into some churches and people who call themselves Christians. We want comfortable An easy theology. Nothing that might make us feel even slightly uncomfortable. Nothing that might detract from how our coworkers and Facebook friends view us. And definitely nothing that might interfere with us living our lives the way we want to. But this seems to be the complete opposite of what Jesus said In Luke 9, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. It's easy for us to confuse and water down what it means to take up one's cross. I got stuck in traffic for 30 whole minutes this morning. Well, I guess we all have our cross to bear. Or, OMG, I'm having trouble accessing Instagram. Well, I guess that's my cross to bear. We may forget that there is actually nothing comfortable about the cross on which Jesus was crucified. Professor D.A. Carson notes, This expression, to take up one's cross, is not an idiom by which to refer to some trivial annoyance, an ingrown toenail, perhaps, or a toothache, or an awkward in-law. We all have our crosses to bear. No. In the first century, that sort of interpretation would have been impossible. In the first century, it was as culturally unthinkable to make jokes about crucifixion as it would be today to make jokes about Auschwitz. It means you are under sentence of death. You're taking up the horizontal cross member on your way to the place of crucifixion. You have abandoned all hope of life in this world. And then Jesus says, and only then are we ready to follow him. To be clear, the cross, is not merely a symbol of pain and suffering. It is primarily a symbol of death. And so Jesus is saying that we need to put to death our plans and our desires. Jesus is basically telling his followers, and that includes all of us, that if we want to follow him, we need to die to ourselves. And that's a pretty intense message. And so I understand when some of us share Jesus with people, we only talk about the pleasant things. This is the way that the world advertises and sells, whether it's your cell phone carrier or timeshare resorts. It's pretty much marketing 101. Promote how your good or service will benefit the consumer minimize any costs or downsides. And this is more or less how this world works. It's like watching Sports Center, only seeing the highlights, only seeing the wins, never the struggles. Or like social media, only seeing people's highlight reel, only seeing the smiles, the vacations, and the outings to trendy cafes, never the arguments, the messy home, or the unruly kids. So we have unrealistic expectations, and then we end up becoming disillusioned when our lives never live up to our expectations. In the same way, people who are only told about the benefits of following Christ may become surprised or confused when they start to encounter the cost of truly following Christ. Or worse yet, they may never encounter the cost of following Christ, because they're really doing a watered-down, comfortable perversion of following Christ, which really is not following Christ at all. Professor Carson points out that comfortable Christianity is essentially idolatry. I'm looking for the kind of God I can believe in, you say. But this stance is both tragic and foolish, is it not? For it presupposes that the I is the ultimate criterion, the ultimate God. Surely the real question is, what kind of God is there? Otherwise, you are simply manufacturing your own God. And that is what idolatry is. This is like making following Christ a buffet. I'll choose what I want and what I don't want. Blessings and joy? Yes, please. Repentance and forgiving others? Mm, No, thanks. Many of us, unfortunately, are settling for comfortable Christianity. So what's wrong with comfy Christianity? Well, let's return to Crocs, which we talked about at the very beginning. We love Crocs because they are so comfortable, but they also contain a cautionary tale for us. Dr. Alex Kaur, president of the American Academy of Podiatric Sports Medicine, explained that the most important feature of any footwear is the shank, which is a supportive structure between the toe and the heels. People are more likely to have foot pain if their footwear bends in the shank. And unfortunately, crocs are a prime example of footwear with a flexible shank. So Dr. Korr, says that he sees many patients wearing Crocs who complain about arch or heel pain. So to summarize, Crocs provide no real support which can harm you. And this is just like comfortable Christianity. Just as Crocs may be fine for a stroll around Magic Island, comfortable Christianity seems to work when everything is going well when the sun is out and the birds are chirping. But like Crocs, comfortable Christianity is not suited for and even be dangerous when dealing with the inevitable bumps in the road that we face day in and day out. Crocs provide no support, particularly when there is a lot of pressure. And in the same way, comfortable Christianity provides no support, particularly when things go wrong. And you may have heard about children's crocs getting stuck in escalators and causing injuries. In other words, and not to be too cute, in a pinch, it makes things worse. And this is the same of of, of comfortable Christianity. When life gets tough, comfy Christianity does not deliver the joy, the peace, and the hope that the Bible promises. The only way that these promises can be realized is with real Christianity, with really following Christ. <clears throat> Which brings me to a confession. For most of my life, I was subscribing to Comfy Christianity, and I didn't even realize it. I would go to church regularly. I'd pray a number of times during the day. And I'd read the Bible a few times a week. And I was able to continue to pursue my own happiness and do pretty much whatever I wanted to do. Now, don't get me wrong. I would pray and consult with God on things. but I always made the final decision. And I thought it was the best of both worlds. I was following Christ and doing what I wanted to do. I vividly recall that when Susan and I got married, one of my college friends sent us a wedding gift, accompanied with a note. And the note said that she prayed and hoped that one day I would be able to experience the fullness of following God and enjoy all that he has in store for me. And to be honest, when I read that, I was deeply offended. How dare she think that I was not experiencing God in my life? What did she think she was? And after a few minutes of righteous indignation, I tried my best to forget what she had said. It was only a few years later that I started to comprehend what my friend was trying to tell me. My college friend abandoned her lifelong dream of going to medical school and becoming a doctor to focus on what she felt God was calling her to do, to be a wife and a mother. So she ended up staying at home and homeschooling her three kids. And maybe God is saying this to you today, that he wants you to be able to experience the fullness of following him, and to be able to enjoy all that he has in store for you. The more you surrender your life to God, the more that we are able to enjoy his unsurpassed peace, his unspeakable joy, and his unshakable hope. And more importantly, to experience him. When I graduated from high school, I was ecstatic to go to Stanford. I had worked hard. and Now I was able to attend my dream school. And I remember during orientation, I was sitting at an event listening to the university president welcome incoming freshmen. And I happened to spot Stanford's logo. And this is what I saw. Leland Stanford Junior University. And I was horrified. Was I not at the real Stanford? Was I at a junior university instead? And I actually began sweating profusely and looking around me. At, Was I the only one that made a huge mistake? Or had everyone else been duped as well? So in hindsight, I can laugh about this. But this is not funny when it happens to a person who thinks he's doing real Christianity, but is really doing Comfy Christianity. Because when we find out that we're doing comfy Christianity instead of real Christianity, it may be too late. And this is why people who call themselves Christians often get discouraged or frustrated with their so-called faith. We hear people talk about the peace that surpasses understanding the joy, unspeakable. But we don't really feel it. And when we most need that peace, that joy, we don't experience it. When we face a difficulty, we still feel that same hopelessness that we felt before we started doing this whole Christianity thing. So how do we unlock the benefits of truly following Christ? We need to pay the price. We need to pick up our cross. Surrender all of us so that we can experience all of God. Giving up all we have in exchange for all that God has for us. And that is when we are finally able to experience all that God intends for us. Joy, peace, and hope. And more importantly, experience God through a personal relationship with him. And this is the irony of God's so-called upside-down kingdom. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness, those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In denying ourselves, we are able to find ourselves. In, in giving, we receive. And there's another irony as well. We all want happiness. And so many of us, even some of us who call ourselves Christians, turn to comfort and pleasure in an attempt to gain happiness. And comfort and pleasure may provide it in the short term. But the only way to truly and continually experience happiness is through following Jesus. So in order to actually achieve happiness, we cannot live for ourselves. We need to pick up our cross and die to ourselves. It isn't dying to ourselves that we are able to truly live. Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy life, have it in abundance. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only way. So what does taking up your cross look like in action? We have a number of examples right here at KCF. One that comes to mind is Barry and Amy Fong. For many years, they have selflessly sacrificed themselves to serve God. When many of us are still enjoying the comfort of our warm bed, Barry diligently gets up early in the morning each Sunday to set up. Amy is an intercessor who is steadfastly prayer walking and fasting for our church behind the scenes. Both Barry and Amy have, for about a decade, served and now lead our Next Step Homeless shelter ministry. And for over 10 years, rather than vacationing in Paris, Rome, or Vegas, they've instead gone each year to Thailand on a missions trip to help out at the Kwa Di Children's Home with the Hill Tribe people. Barry and Amy have picked up their cross. We need to get to a point where we're able to tell God, God, I want what you want more than what I want. Isn't this what Jesus said right before his crucifixion? Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. So after hearing all of this, what are we to do? The last time I spoke, I talked about a very deep and thoughtful song, Torn Wells, Hills, and Valleys. I'd like to share another serious and insightful song that sheds light on what we need to do next.
2: You have that special friend, you want to be more than a friend. It's time to define the relationship, also known as the DTR. I kinda
0: like you, but I don't know how you feel about me. This could be awkward, how can we approach it naturally? We gotta do the do the do the do the DTR. It's time to do the do the do the do the DTR. We gotta do the do the do the do the do
2: it's time to do it, do do the do, 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 do You've been in small rooms, Together. bio lab, Together. in lecture, a breakfast, Together. at retreat. you stayed up and talked all night. You've given her so many hugs from the side. You like her, but you don't know how to flirt. Showed your feelings by helping her with her homework. Late nights out, you drive her home, and she has a special ring on your phone. You've asked all your friends and you've passed her for advice. They say you should just ask her. To move forward, you have to take action Don't be that weird friend with a
0: secret attraction Sometimes I see you smiling at me But sometimes you're also smiling at Andrew Lee Now I'm nervous and I'm feeling so anxious inside So I'll text you, do you want to grab a meal sometime? I kinda like you but I don't know how you feel about me This could be awkward, how can we Naturally We gotta do the do the do the do the do It's time to do the do the do the
2: do the Dress up, but not too formal Show her it's good, everything is still normal Just a conversation, not really a date It's a date before the date, where you ask her on the date It might be awkward when push comes to shove Will you shake her hand, or give her a hug? When she sits down, pull out her chair Let the whole room know, there's a gentleman here For conversation, here's some tips I'll be giving you Resist the urge to show off your Bible trivia Don't say God said you complete my life And don't tell her how your parents think she'd make a cute wife My
0: heart is beating faster as I'm treading. I'm trying to look cool, but I'm desperately playing inside We're making small talk as you go and grab your fork and knife I spit it out as you start to take your very first bite I kinda like you, but I don't know how you feel about me This could be awkward, how can we approach you naturally? We gotta do the, do the, do the, do the, do the
2: Looks like she really wasn't expecting that. She said she thought you were just being a good friend. I thought you
0: just a friend. But then you told her,
2: wait, hold on. Can you pray about this? And we'll get together in a little while and see what God has said to us then.
0: I guess so. Okay. I kinda like you, but you do not feel the same about me. This was so awkward, should have left you at that KFC. We could have to do the to-day Dixie Why in the world did I think this was a good idea? One week later I'm on Facebook and you message me. You said you're and we should talk? talk about when I get you coffee. Feet. It's time to do the to do the to the to the, do the Round two, up to the to the to the We gotta do the to the to the to the It's time to do the to the to the We gotta do the to the to the to the It's time to do the to the to the to I'll
1: see you all next week. Good luck. DTRs are important, and not just for romantic relationships. In this series, we've been talking about the importance of having a DTR with God. In fact, Jesus had a sort of a DTR talk with his followers. In Luke 9, we see Jesus having a heart-to-heart conversation with his disciples. Once, when Jesus was praying in private, and his disciples were with him, he asked them, "Who do the crowd say I am?" They replied, "Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. "But what about you?" he asked. "Who do you say I am?" Peter answered, "God's Messiah." Then Jesus continues. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. So Jesus' talk about taking up your cross daily was actually part of his DTR talk with his disciples. As we know, a DTR is focused on answering key questions. Are we a couple or are we just hanging out? Do we have the same idea about where this relationship is headed? And we need to have one with God. We need to be honest with ourselves and with our God. And here's a hint for you when you have your DTR, when you pray and talk to God, I'm sure you'll find out how madly and deeply in love God is with you. The real question is, do you feel the same? Are you ready to commit, or will you just be acquaintances? Are we just going to stay where it's comfortable to hang out, or Are we ready to have a deeper, more intimate relationship which requires sacrifice and commitment but is definitely worth it? Just as there is a cost to being committed to our spouse, there is a cost to being committed to God. By deciding to commit, we are essentially choosing only one and denying all others. When you first started being committed, was the relationship easy and comfortable? And this is not a trick question for those of us who are married. We know the answer is a resounding no. Marriage takes time. Marriage takes work. And there definitely is a cost, but it's definitely worth it. And if we haven't noticed any cost in being a Christian, then it may beg the question of whether we are truly following Christ. Let me break it down in a simple way that your cell phone carrier would be proud of. If you consider yourself a Christian, you have two plans to choose from. Plan A is comfy Christianity. Cost is minimal. You pay whatever you feel like paying. However, the benefit is minimal. In other words, spotty coverage. Plan B is real Christianity. The cost is your life, but the benefit is life in abundance. So which plan will you choose? Plan A or Plan B? Your crocs or your cross? Have you picked up your cross? And if we can't think of any ways that we've picked up our cross and suffered for Christ, then it may mean that we haven't picked up our cross. And this is the true test for Christ's followers. Are we willing to let go of our need for comfort, to be in control? When we hit the point where we say, yes, God, I surrender, that is when God is able to take over. And I'm reminded of the image of a closed fist, trying to hold on to everything that we have. But God is not able to give blessings to a closed fist. The irony is that the closed fist actually prevents anything else from being placed into it. And to put it simply and bluntly, are we going to choose comfort or are we going to choose Christ? Many of us are good at deceiving ourselves, so let me put it in a way that is somewhat provocative. If we are not choosing Christ, then we probably are, by default, choosing our own comfort. And this is not a one and done kind of thing where we make a decision to pick up our cross one time and then we're set for life. No, this is why Jesus said that we must take up our cross daily. Throughout the day, we need to remember to choose Christ over our own comfort. So for those of us who are ready to commit, to pick up our cross, here's our challenge. What is a concrete step that we can take today that is uncomfortable but will bring us closer to Christ? It could be checking out the Bible instead of checking out Netflix. It could be spending time in small group instead of spending time on your couch. Or it could be sharing about how amazing Jesus is to a friend instead of sharing about how amazing that new sushi place is. So let's take off our Crocs and let's instead put on our working boots. And with each step, that we take, we will move away from comfy Christianity and closer to real (laughs) Christianity. And that is when we are able to truly experience the fullness of following God and to enjoy all that he has in store for us. Let's close in prayer. Dear God, we're sorry for the times when we have tried to sugarcoat the cross you have called us to take up and instead turned it into a comfortable cross. May we spend some quality time with you today. May we have a DTR with you to be honest about how we viewed our relationship with you. And may we take a concrete step to surrender our plans, our desires, and ourselves to you. May we move beyond our comfort zone to a place where we are able to truly experience a life filled with your transcendent peace, hope, and joy. In Jesus' name we pray.